You're listening to a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. We hope you'll find it to be spiritually edifying. So I'll go to our scripture readings for this morning. First of all, from the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 24, verses 36 to 49. While they were still talking about this, Jesus Himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, Do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. He said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the Scriptures. He told them, This is what is written, The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. We also turn to the letter to the Colossians, chapter 3, verses 1 to 17. Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. used to walk in these ways, in the life you once lived. But now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. 
Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. May God bless the reading of His Word for our lives. Our text for the sermon this morning is Psalm 134, a song of ascents. Praise the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who minister by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and praise the Lord. May the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, bless you from Zion. Beloved congregation of Christ Jesus, today I want to begin with you another, another series of sermons on the Psalms. You may remember that last year about this time we did the same. Because of their importance in our church life, it's always worthwhile to dig deeply into these inspired songs. After all, we are a psalm-singing church, and we want to sing the psalms in a heartfelt and a meaningful way, to sing with understanding. And the psalms are not always easy to sing. Some of them are. Some of the psalms, we, we take them and we make them our own. We appropriate them for ourselves very easily. But there are other psalms where we fumble about and we're not really sure what to do with them as New Testament Christians. In fact, some come to a point where they say that there are some psalms that we should never even sing at all. Never sing them in public worship. Now here we're not necessarily speaking about the tunes. That's another matter. We're talking about the words, the content. Well, we're not going to be dealing with any of the difficult psalms today. Hopefully we will do that in the weeks to come. What we are going to do today is to start to develop a framework for us to think about and to use the psalms in general. And we'll do that in connection with an easier and a shorter psalm, Psalm 134. Well, the first thing we want to reflect on is the nature of the Psalter and of our singing in public worship. Sometimes we seem to have the idea that our singing is supposed to be about one thing and one thing only. And that one thing is praise for God. So some say, if it's not a praise song, we shouldn't be singing it. What does God Himself say about this? Well, we read from Colossians 3. In verse 16, we read these words, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and as you sing, or you could also say singing, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. This passage, Colossians 3.16, speaks about teaching and admonishing each other with the singing of psalms. Now, to be sure, it's also directed towards God. But there is still an element where we, when we sing psalms, 
God is giving us His Word so that we can sing it to one another. Therefore, our singing is not just about praise, but it's also about teaching and reminding each other of what God says in His Word. And when you look through the Psalms, you find this over and over again. Take the first Psalm as an example. The very first Psalm, Psalm 1, is not even directed to God. It's not addressed to Him. It's a wisdom Psalm. And when we sing it, and if you look in the history of liturgy, the Christian church has always sung this Psalm, we're singing to one another and we're reminding one another of the wisdom of God's Word. There are many more examples of this, and one of them is the psalm we're going to be looking at more closely in a moment, Psalm 134. Here too, this psalm is more about believers speaking and singing to one another, them using God's Word to encourage one another, than it is about believers singing praise directly to God. So the first important piece of our framework is to recognize and to appreciate the diversity of the Psalms. The second piece is to recognize the very important connection between Christ and the Psalms. The Christian church has always acknowledged that these songs do not merely tell us about the religious life of Israel in the centuries leading up to Christ. Rather, the Catholic church not the Roman Catholic, but the Catholic Church has recognized that these are songs of and about Christ. And this recognition comes from what the Bible itself says. For instance, we have the testimony of Luke 24:44. There Christ Himself said that the Law of Moses, the Prophets, and the Psalms were written about Him. When it comes to the Psalms, we see that the apostles had listened carefully to the Lord Jesus, for they repeatedly show throughout the New Testament how the Psalms speak about Christ. In connection with that, there are two important qualifications to make. First of all, when we say this, we don't mean to say that each and every letter or word or verse of the Psalms directly points us to Christ. Don't misunderstand. Most of the time, we have to take the psalm as a whole, as a whole composition, to understand how it speaks of our Savior. The second qualification is that there are different ways that different psalms point us to the Lord Jesus. For instance, the words of Psalm 22, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Those words were taken directly upon the lips of Christ Himself. Christ spoke those words on the cross. However, the inspired author of Hebrews takes the words of Psalm 40, and he does that with other psalms as well, and he puts them in the mouth of Christ. In other psalms, David is acting and he is speaking as a type of Christ. And yet other psalms, like Psalm 88, known as the dark psalm, 
we encounter a broken world in need of Christ. And so we could go on. The important thing to remember is that whenever we read and whenever we sing the Psalms, we must learn to do so with our eyes fixed on Christ. Learning. We have to learn this. And learning requires work. And so the Psalms will challenge us. But think about it, loved ones. Doesn't God's Word do that more often? And isn't it a bad thing to be challenged by the Word of God? Or isn't it rather something that God gives us to help us to grow in grace and knowledge? I think we know the answer. That brings us to Psalm 134. This is a song of ascents, as we noted a moment ago. Likely written to be sung by pilgrims going up to the temple in Jerusalem. The book of Psalms has a number of these songs of ascents. They begin with Psalm 120. And Psalm 134 is the last of these songs of ascents. This is intentional. And its place in the Psalter paints a picture for us. It's the picture of these pilgrims leaving the temple, leaving Jerusalem, and going back to their homes. Whatever feast it was is over, and the men, women, and children are, are now packed up and are heading out. For this special occasion, God gives a song, a song of encouragement, a song of blessing for all office bearers. That's our theme. Now, an office bearer is simply someone who has a calling, an office or a duty to perform. In the church of all places and times, New Testament and Old Testament, there have always been two broad categories of office bearers. In the first place, we have the general office of all believers. All believers share in Christ's anointing as prophets, priests, and kings. We have a calling as Christians. It means we have an office. Now, in medieval times, a distinction developed, a rigid distinction developed between clergy and laity. The clergy were the hierarchy and the laity were, were down below them. The, cler- the clergy were active, the laity were passive. Well, the Reformation questioned that distinction between clergy and laity and recovered the biblical teaching that all believers are office bearers. We all have a calling or a vocation. God calls people to be believers. He nominates them and He appoints them to that office. He promises them gifts. We heard about that a few weeks ago. And He gives them responsibilities. And when we make public profession of our faith, as is going to happen again this afternoon, we publicly accept that office and we promise to fulfill our calling. So there are general office bearers in the church. But there are also special office bearers. These are men in the church who are called by God to serve in special ways. 
In the church today, we have pastors, we have elders and deacons. In the Old Testament church, we find priests, kings and judges and prophets. Psalm 134 speaks to both general office bearers and special office bearers. And since this morning we're witnessing the installation of new special office bearers, it's only fitting that we consider this psalm. The special office bearers in this psalm are the servants of the Lord, servants of Yahweh. You see throughout this psalm, Lord in all capital letters, that's God's covenant name, Yahweh. Servants of Yahweh. They're mentioned in verse 1. These are the special office bearers. And these servants of Yahweh minister by night in the house of Yahweh. Who are they? Well, we know from elsewhere in the Bible that the Levites served in the tabernacle and later on the temple. And they served 24 hours a day, seven days a week. There were always Levitical priests on duty in the temple. From other sources, we find out that their service was divided into watches. And one of those watches was the night watch. While the rest of Jerusalem slept soundly in their beds, a handful of priests were busy in the temple. What were they doing? Well, they were guarding the temple precincts. They had to do that because there was a lot of gold there. They were baking bread. They were cleaning up. There was a fire on the altar that they had to keep burning 24 hours a day. And they were also busy with prayer. As the sun is setting and the people are leaving the temple, God teaches them to sing words of encouragement and blessing to these priests. The first words of this psalm in our Bible translation are, Praise the Lord. Now this is more literally translated as, Behold Bless Yahweh. In verse 3, we find a wish for a blessing. May God bless you from Zion. Now the same word is used in verse 1 where the NIV translates it as praise. Bless and praise are the same word in Hebrew, at least in this psalm. The people are taught to sing to the priests, Behold, bless Yahweh, all you servants of Yahweh. Then we want to ask, what does it mean to bless Yahweh? Isn't that backwards? Doesn't God bless us? How can we bless God? Does it mean exactly the same as praising God? Well, no. Actually, blessing Yahweh is much more than that. It's it's much richer. Blessing God involves thinking well of Him and speaking well of Him. It also means to adore Him with heartfelt reverence. To draw near to Him with deep love. To delight in Him with exultation and and thanksgiving for all the, the good in Him and all the good that He does. You see, it is praise. But it's entirely heartfelt And it's meaningful praise. It's not praise that's offered out of ritual or routine. It comes from the heart. And these were timely words for the priests to hear. There they were in the temple. You know, it was nighttime. All the people had gone home. During the day, if they wanted to, they could could put on a good show. They could keep up appearances. 
But at night, the temptation would be there to let loose a little bit. There's always the natural human tendency to laziness and going through the motions in a mindless, empty way, especially if nobody else is watching. To combat that tendency, God gives this psalm so that they would be encouraged to serve Him from their hearts. As they serve in the night hours, they're given the reminder to bless God, not to do things just because they have to be done, but to really be careful, to be deliberate about serving Him. Verse 2 continues the same thought. The priests were encouraged to lift up their hands in the sanctuary, the holy place in the temple, and in so doing, bless Yahweh. Here again, our translation says, praise the Lord, but a more literal rendering would be, bless Yahweh. Now, lifting the hands, I think we're all familiar with that. We see it every Sunday. It is a biblical gesture of blessing. People can be blessed through raised hands, and they still are today. But God can also be blessed through this gesture. The priests would be offering prayer and praise, and through that, making much of God and and His goodness. That's blessing Him. Those priests needed these words of encouragement. Because after all, they were only men. Look through the Bible, you find several examples where the Levites were no better than the average Israelite. Think of Judges 19 where we read about a Levite who had a concubine. He allowed her to be raped and murdered. Or what about Hophni and Phinehas? Names that will go down in infamy. The sons of Eli in the first chapters of 1 Samuel. And we could go on. The priests were sinful men who could only serve in an imperfect way. And though they were weak and sinful, their service pointed ahead to the priestly service of Christ. The book of Hebrews speaks of this, especially in chapter 7 and 8. Hebrews 7.28 says, For the law appoints as high priests men who are weak. But the oath which came after the law appointed the Son who has been made perfect forever. There in those words, you can see the comparison between the priests, not perfect, weak, and Christ, perfect, strong. And so the law, including the Levitical priesthood, was a shadow of the good things that were to come. So today when we read and when we sing Psalm 134, we can and we should do so while reflecting upon the perfect priesthood of Christ our Savior. This psalm teaches us and it reminds us that at one time the priests had to be encouraged and they had to be reminded to bless God because of their sinfulness and because of their weakness. But now today, look at how rich we are. Now we have a priest who also ministers for us 24-7 and he constantly blesses God. For he is God himself one person of the Holy Trinity. And Christ also gives us special office bearers today. And again, He is doing so this morning. 
Are these men like the Levitical priests of old? They are men. They're weak. They're sinful. And this psalm reminds them of that. The Word of God encourages these weak and sinful brothers this morning and directs their attention to Christ the Savior. Because we have a Savior who with all His perfections covers the imperfections of our earthly ministry. And since we have a great high priest who diligently intercedes for us 24-7, and since we are united to Him through faith, since we're thankful to Him and we love Him, let's also heed the words of this psalm. Brothers, let's also be committed to serving God with singleness of heart, both during the day when we're in the public eye and at night when darkness can cloak our hearts and our actions. For us as a congregation, recognize that Christ ministers for us 24-7. Always on call. Always on duty. That's good news for us. He always lives to intercede and to help us. And the good news continues in that He, he often uses means. And one of the means He uses is these men, these special office bearers. They're here as gifts from Christ to help us. When they come to visit in our homes, they're not paying a social visit. They don't come on their own authority. They come as ambassadors, as representatives of your Savior. The elders represent the loving oversight and discipline of Christ. The deacons represent the love and mercy of Christ to those who are in need. And it's true that as they they carry out their offices, there will be imperfections and there will be sin. We know that's true for all of us, isn't it? Both general and special office bearers. And so humility and patience will go a long way. And so we'll frequently taking the words of Psalm 134 upon our lips for these brothers. Encourage them as the people of God encouraged the Levites of old. God gave these words to us so that we would use them in this way. He also gave the words of verse 3, and these words apply particularly to all of us as general office bearers. As the people were leaving the temple, they would have sung the words of encouragement in verses 1 and 2 to the priests. And for their part, the priests would have responded with the words of verse 3. We know this for for a couple of reasons, and one of them is the similarity between these words and the so-called Aaronic benediction of number 6, that benediction that we usually hear at the end of the morning worship service. So the priests are encouraged to bless Yahweh in the temple, and then the people are wished a blessing from the priests. The blessing reads, May the Lord, the Maker of heaven and earth, bless you from Zion. Now there are three important elements to consider in that short blessing. 
First of all, the priests remind God's people of His nearness, His presence. They do that when they wish the blessing from Zion. Because the Zion, Zion rather, was where the temple was. And the temple was where God dwelled in a special way among the people of Israel. In Zion, God was near. God was not distant or unconcerned with His people. He isn't like Baal. You know, the people who worship Baal, every year they had to wake him up because he fell asleep for a certain amount of time. And they had to go through some ritual ceremony to wake Baal up. It wasn't like that with God. God was there. He was near at hand. And for us, our thoughts, we think about God being near. How can we not think about Christ? In Him, God has come near to us in an unsurpassed way. Through the Spirit of Christ dwelling in us as individuals and as a church, God is nearer than He has ever been. The prayer of the special office bearers has to be that all God's people would know these truths and be constantly comforted by them. Pastors, elders, and deacons have to be regularly praying for the flock and asking God to bless them with the knowledge that He is near in Christ. There's more. I said there were three elements in this blessing. The first is His nearness. The second is God's almighty power. Yahweh is the maker of heaven and earth. The one who is near, who is close to us, also has the power to show His love and care for us. If He can make the universe, what could stand in the way of His fatherly heart? We have a powerful God who is near. And as the the pilgrims, as they set out on their way home, as they were leaving Jerusalem, they could be comforted by those words. They were setting off on a journey that could be very dangerous. There could be robbers. There could be murderers. There could be all kinds of criminal elements waiting to waylay them. The journey might be dangerous, but Almighty God was with them. And so it is with us too. We too, we are pilgrims. We're on a road, on a journey, and oftentimes the road seems rough and it's dangerous. We wish we could choose the road to travel. But in God's providence, we're, we're stuck with this one. Loved ones, we have God's promise. He has us in His hand of power. His firm, loving grip will not let go of us. For the sake of Christ His Son, His love for us is as sure and as firm as the mountains He created. That's the second element. The third is that Yahweh gives this blessing through His priests. The priests were God's instruments or means to bring blessing to the people of God. 
Now, when we speak about blessing people, that is a little bit different than blessing God. It's about God doing good to them, giving good things to them, prospering them. People come away from it and say, God is for us. And in their being instruments for the blessing of God's people, the priests were pointing ahead to Christ. Christ is the one in whom we have every spiritual blessing, according to Ephesians 1. Through Christ, we have, we are blessed with forgiveness, reconciliation, adoption, justification, sanctification, glorification, And so we could go on and on. Today, God continues to bless us through Christ. And also through Christ's special office bearers. Brothers, it's God's design for us to bless the people of God. Particularly, it is God's plan that we would be instruments in His hand so that they would know the good God does for them in Christ. How God gives good and wonderful things to them in Christ. How God prospers them in Christ. How God is for them in Christ. Whereas God wants the words of verses 1 and 2 to encourage the special office bearers, He's given the words of verse 3 to encourage and to bless the general office bearers. All of us. And so as pastors, elders, and deacons, we are to constantly be praying to Almighty God, asking this God to bless His people. This little psalm, it's just three verses. And it's a treasure trove of teaching for God's people. And note again that it's not so much us singing praise to God through this psalm as God leading us to teach one another to praise Him and to rely upon Him. When we sing this psalm, we're also encouraging and we are blessing each other. And since this is God's Word, we're actually being taught by God Himself. In some sense, we become God's mouth. It's an amazing thought, really. God's mouth. We become God's instruments to stir one another up to deeper faith in Christ. And all of us, both general office bearers and special office bearers alike, we all need that constantly. Let us pray. Yahweh, Maker of heaven and earth, all of us together bless You. We adore You with reverence. We draw near to You with love in our hearts for who You are and what You have done. We delight in You with exaltation. We take pleasure in You. And and thank You for all the good You are and all the good You have done. There is none else like You in heaven or on earth. And we thank You especially for Christ our great High Priest, Savior, and Lord. We bless You for coming near to us in Him. We also bless You for giving us special office bearers. 
Please help these servants of yours so that they too would bless you night and day and that they would be instruments of blessing in your hand. Help us to encourage them and to be patient with them. Please give all of us alike grace and strength through your Holy Spirit. Because, Father, we want to see the intensity of your reputation grow evermore. Please hear us through the mediation of Christ our priest. Amen. This has been a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.langleycanrc.org.